Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates, Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Into the uh, Unlucky Frog Gaming um, podcast. Yeah, uh, I'm your host, uh, Tom. Uh, sorry, Tom, let me stop you there. What? That, that was just awful. I, I did the intro. That that was really bad. I mean, do you want to do it? Might, might as well. Yeah. Go on then, show me how it's done. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming podcast. I'm your host, Ben Porter. Joined by my glamorous co-host for this evening, Tom Mannering. Yeah, that was that was better. There we go. <laughs> That's how the pros do it. That's it, man. Dab hand. Yeah, a bit, bit of flattery in there as well to soften the blow. I appreciate that. Glamorous. Not, is not quite. Not. <laughs> more, more a compliment pizza than a compliment sandwich. You know, a <laughs> compliment slap in the face. <laughs> how are you doing? Uh yeah, I'm back. You Woo! are. You've traded you in for Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one's broken. Can I have a new course? <laughs> Can I have a refund, please? <laughs> um, I think it's been over a month, hasn't it? I think it's been a while, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously you guys announced on the show that we we have a, a sprog in the, the lily pad now, a tadpole, as, yes. uh, as the people have decided he's, he's called. And... Um, well, normally this would be the point of the show where we would, we would either like talk about the news or what we've been up to. Um, suffice to say, my my gaming time and my hobby time, uh, that those respective schedules have just been hit with a bazooka since he <laughs> arrived. Uh, um, I, I was talking to I was talking to Josh the other day because uh, he, he popped over for a bit, um, and I said to him. Do you, know much, do you know much painting I've done since Nathaniel arrived? And he was like, how much? I said, I've I've highlighted a shoulder pad. <laughs> that, like that is, yeah, that's not an exaggeration in any way at that time. I've, I've since managed to do a little bit more. Um, but yeah, if if you if you already are struggling uh, with allocating time for uh, for hobby things. Maybe reconsider having children. I have heard like mutterings that they're quite sort of you know time demanding, and it's, it's the 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 thing that um, at the moment is quite weird. And I think I, I said this to you because um, you got us the the little uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, picture book, On brand. which is yeah awesome as well, beautifully <laughs> illustrated. Um, and you'd said to me, oh, you know, you're probably not going to be able to use it for a little bit. Um, but but and, and then I'd uh, countered with actually, um, you're encouraged to read to them, 
as early as possible. Mm-hmm. But it's quite hard work because you don't get anything back. They just <laughs> stare at you. But, yeah. but what, what do you think of this? You know, you're not really. I'm not yeah. getting feedback. Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a one way street here, Nathaniel. You need to give me something to work with here. <laughs> but you know, we've been reading that. We booked him amongst others, and it's it's full on because you you do need to be interactive because that's how they learn to talk, right? Mm-hmm. It's just through listening and observing. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's and it, it's quite hard work because uh, sometimes you feel a bit like you're going crazy because you'll have moments where you think I am just talking to myself. <laughs> to be honest, I could probably get by on that. I talk to myself quite a lot. I'm not <laughs> yeah, there you go. It, so. so you you just be monologuing away. Yeah, having having a a rare old time. Someone to wax lyrical to. So not not much hobby on on your end. But I mean, one shoulder pad's one shoulder pad. You know, it's better than nothing. Still progress, isn't it? Exactly. It's more more than I got done in the past. Um, before, I mean, these days I seem to be doing nothing but hobby. But once upon a time, that was a rarity. But you, I mean, you've been absolutely churning miniatures out because you had the uh, the crossover game. Didn't yeah, you? yeah. Turned out some some amount fifty odd. I think out was the final count. Um, a few different sizes and that. Uh, but I'm not allowed to go into too much detail because Josh wants to discuss that on his inevitable yeah. return. Um, Josh was whinging about uh, so for for those of us uh, who have maybe just joined us, uh, Tom is the GM for the the Pathfinder campaign that Josh is part of, and they they recently did a crossover game because Tom runs uh, two Pathfinder groups and once a year they meet and uh, they they have a little country retreat. We do, and, uh, and the and then you had so that like a, it was basically a weekend of of linked games yeah it was it was uh it was quite funny actually because we went to this like sort of country estate and there was like uh jacuzzis and all that lot so you've got all these kind of like pretty you know sort of um middle class to to working class folk in in quite a a large sort of upper middle class uh home with like you know jacuzzis and hot tubs and and the full nine yards and it was uh it was quite an experience but uh the game was fantastic, and, and Josh can go into the details on that, but it was actually a really nice place to be, and we did yeah. get a lot of gaming that wasn't sort of uh, Pathfinder-related as well, so when we had breaks and that, there was uh, Magic and Munchkin and, and all the kind of quick and easy games. But, that, I mean, that it's it really typifies how like having a big event is such a motivator for stuff like that, doesn't it? Yeah, you, yeah, you definitely. Just, you know, like, I think you'd said that, that prior to... This deadline looming. You'd you'd painted I think two or three miniatures mm-hmm. this year. Yep. And then, and then boom, you had sixty done. Yeah, exactly. I remember when I used to do the the forty k tournaments and that. It was always the kind of it was the only time you'd get an army painted was on the build up to a tournament because yeah, you had uh, you had a goal, didn't you? You had something to work towards. Yeah, it's it's great for for motivating you. Um, it it can be a bit stressful as well, depending on you know how just how many plates you're spinning. As I'm sure. You can also attest, Tom. Yep, definitely. But, but it, it was really cool seeing just how much you were you were doing because you had done. You were sending me little progress pictures, and I think you'd done uh, Chimera, uh, a horde of goblins, mm-hmm. and you had your like your big sort of uh, power armor Borg mm-hmm. dudes as well. Yeah, we had a nice a nice spectrum of things, and it was it was quite good the way I kind of set it up for myself. I gave myself a little like sort of benchmarks where I'd get to paint a bit more of an interesting model, you know, do a bit of a board and then paint a, a character style model and a bit more of sort of 
batches and then a monster and so on and so forth. I think that's a good way to do it if you're doing batch yeah. painting. Yeah, you d you definitely need to um, vary it up as well. Yeah, you go I think, spread, it, don't you, if you're looking at yeah, the same, same model. Yeah, there's... Um, uh, Ty Tyler Mango, who's uh, quite a well-known miniature painter, uh, posted up an article recently on one of the groups that I'm in and it was it was basically him talking about how he organizes and prioritizes his projects mm -hmm. um and what i found most insightful ab about um the exchange that followed um sharing this article was that one guy had commented saying that he doesn't do any scheduling or anything like that with his hobby okay. because then it becomes too much like a job and it for him defeats the purpose of what it's supposed to be, and that is a form of catharsis. Okay. And see that that kind of revelation for a lot of people, certainly for me, I thought that's quite a simple thought. But when you get caught up in all these projects and looking at all these things you've got to paint, you're like, oh, I need to get all this stuff done, and and you feel a bit of guilt about stuff that you've you've bought, and it's all just a crew in there. Mm -hmm. But then you stop and you take and you're like, hold on a minute, it's a hobby. Why am I getting so wound up about it? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I've got the cupboard of shame of minis that I haven't even thought about touching yet, um, mm. and I, I know exactly what that feels like. It is, it's a tricky one um, because you want to get them painted and you, you feel obligated. But as you say, it's a hobby at the end of the day, so you shouldn't really feel that yeah. way. Yeah, you should just be approaching it at your own pace. I think. Exactly. No, I agree. Um, it's actually mentioned, um, funnily enough, when we were at Tabletop Scotland, the the art panel for that. Uh, they asked the artists, um, you know, do you do you take any of your your sort of um, what do you call it proper painting into like any kind of miniature painting or anything like that? And it's it's interesting yeah. seeing people who paint professionally and, and do sort of art professionally talking about miniatures painting as a hobby. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could do the crossover from um, sort of painting on canvas or, or digitally and then go away and sit and paint miniatures <laughs> it'd be too close to home you know it's yeah I, I remember when i worked at games workshop i got sick of the sight of painting models i couldn't paint at home at all it just wasn't doable um well, it was, one of the one of the things i'd always said is um like even in the early days in the um when i first got into playing warhammer and things like that is that the idea of uh, of doing it as a job just does not appeal to me because mm. you know what you're saying kind of sucks the joy out of it a bit. It does. I mean, every every time I've done something to do with my hobby, be it Warhammer or Pathfinder or whatever, eventually it becomes too much of a job, and you do lose a little bit of the the magic, for want of a better mm. word. You know, you you lose some of that excitement about just being involved in it recreationally because you've got an obligation to it which I think changes mm -hmm. the tone completely. It's that deadline thing again. You've always you've got that added pressure that um that you wouldn't have if it was just a hobby. Exactly. Thankfully I don't have to deal with insurance recreationally. That'd be that'd be weird. I suppose there's probably some uh board games that are maybe that would maybe for you feel a little bit like work. It's weird because the games that, that are maybe somewhat similar to my work, so things like um resistance and hidden traitor games, which do have an, an element of what I do professionally. Find the liar. Yeah. It's <laughs> find the liar are actually games I really enjoy. Um, yeah. but I think because in those situations the gloves are off, you know, I can do the things that I would never do at work. You know, I'd never 
professionally yell at someone. <laughs> You're the traitor, <laughs> you son of a gun. <laughs> uh, it just it kind of it takes the takes the reins off a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's it's a strange one. I don't I don't know if there's any games that have any crossover with what you do. Um, I can't think of anything that has that sort of. Element. Not especially. That doesn't. Which is strange because that's actually rife in a way for for something similar to like um, operation or the bomb defusal. You know where you have to be a bit more sensitive <laughs> yeah. and. Yeah, it's it's more. I guess maybe some of the dexterity games. Yeah. Sort of a technical knowledge and and dexterity based in it. I guess. Yeah, I mean that—that's the nice thing about my job. I guess is it's so far removed. Yeah, from from what I do. I suppose to be honest, see, like the miniature painting and all that—that's mm. probably closer to what I do at work than the actual gaming. Yeah, any of the gaming stuff is because I'm using tools and things. So there's some transferable skills there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's not it's not really a problem I have, fortunately. But yeah, should should we talk a bit about the news? We've got a wee bit of news, haven't we? We have, yeah. Um, a lot of it is is Games Workshop centric because they have been they have been announcing stuff left, right, and centre uh, these past few weeks. They have. Um, well, what do you want to start with? It's it, it's a little bit quiet, I think, because everyone is now waiting for Essen mm-hmm. for the next wave of tabletop releases, mm-hmm. and. Um, Company Games Workshop size are always announcing things, aren't they? they so, are, yeah. so we've got um, new, brand new army for Age of Sigmar. Because um, w- one of the things that we've been seeing over the past wee while is a lot of the existing model ranges getting repurposed mm-hmm. and recombined with other ranges to make new factions. But this is brand spanking, um, and it's a it's a death faction, and they're they're called the Ossiarch Bone Reapers. And the, these, and so someone's referred to them uh, as bone cast eternals. <laughs> yeah, because they're they're pretty much uh, the, the antithesis of the stormcast eternals. They they're bone constructs as opposed to just plain Jane skeletons. Okay. So they're a bit more wacky looking, but they 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 are they are the antithesis of the the stormcast eternals. They're, they're Nagash's flavour of of that sort of demigod shock trip. So, have you had the chance to look at them much? Yeah, I had a, I had a gander at them when they got announced. They they really um, for me they seem really reminiscent of Tomb Kings. Yeah, I, I would say so. It, it's as though they've tried. They've they've obviously noticed a lot of people have been whinging about the absence of Tomb Kings. Mm-hmm. So they've gone. How do we? bring something like the Tomb Kings back to Age of Sigmar but do it in such a way that we can copyright it basically because you can't yeah. copyright undead Egyptians. No, it's sort Not of the, uh, the different but new isn't it, you know, it's it's yeah. the same but different type thing um, yeah. I mean I, I do really like the models they're they're pretty out there um, they're quite quite sort of uh, bombastic is probably the the best word I can think to describe them. <laughs> yeah. uh, they've got sort of the massive headdresses on like their leaders and that, and um, they're they're sort of leader guy. I don't know what what they call the particular dude. But he's a gigantic dude um, who reminds me a bit of the the villain from Three Hundred, like an undead Xerxes type yeah. thing going on, isn't he? This kind of massive guy stood on a 
a sort of big plinthy thing with his sort of honor guard around him. Um, that's that's a really cool model. Um, the thing I have, I have this problem a lot with a lot of new GW minis, though. I always really like the models, but there's always one thing about them that kind of spoils them a little bit. And, like, for that guy, it's like the headdress is just a bit too much. I'm looking at it right now, and it's... It looks kind of... It's, the, it's this, the same shape that a lot of the corn helmets are. Yeah. With the, the two jutty-out antler-type things. Yep. But it's got, like, stitched-up bits of skin on it. It's weird. And why Why would you... Like, <laughs> just from a purely practical design point of view, why would you stitch skin in the middle of that? Like, it's... Like, that's wind catching, if nothing else. You know, a gust of wind's going to, like, <laughs> knock his head right back. Um, yeah. But I, I do think they are nice. Yeah, like undead Gokwans, like what would really set this headpiece <laughs> off? Bit of flayed skin. Oh, it's really eye-catching. You know, you can you can peacock around the undead ladies uh, yeah. with your flayed skin. Um, they are nice models. Um, I've not really looked much into the rules for them. Have you had a look at any of the... Well, they've, they've not revealed much rules-wise, but okay. it looks as though they're going to be quite an elite army, which okay. is a bit um, of a change of direction for... Uh, death, mm-hmm. and I think they kind of need a faction like that to be honest. Because, I mean, you had to field. I, th- I think even in Age of Sigmar, you're talking about hundreds of models mm. f- uh, for a for like a two thousand point uh, death army, mm-hmm. unless you're doing something very specific. Was there not that uh, really horrendous list that had all the the big bat things? I can't think of the name of them right now. Yeah, it's um, it's one of it's what basically what they've been doing with Age of Sigmar is introducing sub factions for mm. each faction. It's it's basically like Space Marine chapters for each faction. Okay. And one of them for the Flesh Eater Courts is called uh, Gristle Gore, and they they can take monsters as battle line, mm-hmm. That's which the one. is revolting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not not uh, the best. What else have we I, had then? I, so it was at Nova. They they did this big information dump. This is the the way that they seem to be uh, announcing most of their stuff now, which is cool. Mm. Um, it's actually going to third party events, but they're essentially supporting them uh, quite openly now, which is a complete change in direction from Games Workshop six years ago, mm. which pretended that none of this stuff actually went on <laughs> for some reason um, so there's a Warren Rohan supplement for Middle Earth strategy battle game Shrike of the Raven Guards getting a new miniature that's the one we spoke about before you're not a big fan of it no it's you know you, you said there's always something that bothers you about games workshop miniatures Um I, I like most of them, but I feel like every so often they release miniatures that, for me, just look far too busy. There's too much going on in them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that with Shrike, and I feel like that with a lot of the uh, the Ossiarch Bone Reaper stuff as well. Mm-hmm. It's funny you should mention that, actually, because I was talking to someone uh, not that long ago, and they said they've, had, they've got a bit of a problem with Games Workshop minis where they think they're, too, they're almost too detailed. He said it's, it's yeah. difficult to do a quick paint job because there's so much detail on them. You know, you feel you've got to you've got to sort of address every bit of detail that's on it, because um, there's bits that need to be painted different colours and and all this lot. And I, I can sympathise with that. Um, I think it's 
you know, you, you've got to pick your poison, really. Do you want your minis to be detailed, or do you want them to be flat? Um, and I, I get, you know, why it might be frustrating that they are too detailed. Um, and I get some models are just way too busy. Um, but at the same time, you know, I still remember the Games Workshop models of the 90s, which were flat as, as all hell, you know, and <laughs> you pretty much paint them with three colours uh, and be done. Um which was, you know, a simpler time, but uh, I think we're a bit past that. But I, I get both sides of the argument. Yeah, I think so. And it, it, it's a tough thing to balance, isn't it? Because obviously from a business perspective, you want your product to be as attractive as possible. And generally speaking, that means having nice detail on, on the miniature. And the nice detail generally means that a lot of the time there's more of it mm-hmm. than another miniature ranges. But... I've got in my hand here just now, um, I said to you just before we started recording that um, I bought my first load of historical miniatures Mm -hmm. uh, for for an ancient Greek game called Mortal Gods, and it's a company called Vitrix that produces them, and I've I've just, just before we started recording, I built the first of my slingers. It is a dude in a toga with a satchel and a sling, that's it, Mm -hmm. and just looking at that, I'm thinking that is going to take me a fraction of the time it would take me to paint like even a Stormcast Eternal mm-hmm. from Games Workshop and Stormcast Eternal uh, they're a bit more uh, sparse on the detail than some of the other ranges, mm-hmm. I mean you can you compare a Stormcast to the detail on a Fire Slayer the, the, the detail on the Fire Slayers is insane, mm-hmm. I mean that, and that's that's been deliberate right, they deliberately designed Stormcast and Space Marines with less detail to make them easier to paint yep. at the entry level. I mean, we could talk all night about that. Maybe, maybe another time. <laughs> discuss the ins and outs of uh, Design Brief. But um, as far as Nova goes, the the other big announcement was the they're doing a new expansion for Warcry. Yeah, this is just crazy. So this is um, Monsters and Mercenaries, or Mercenaries and Monsters. Uh which is this kind of expansion that allows you to defeat monsters and then add them to your warband um, yeah. and add additional characters. And also there's some sort of like quests that you can go on, which is a cool idea. Um, it actually sounds to me like a, a really cool expansion, but um, we, we mentioned before we recorded that they're doing the same thing they did with Kill Team. They're just, it's so much content. I mean, Warcraft has been out, what, a month? And we've got an expansion already? Yeah, I've managed to play half a game so far. <laughs> it's more than me, to be fair, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I've I've actually got the core set and I've managed to play half a game. Uh, and it's not for want of trying either, let me tell you. Yeah. Like, normally I would be excited, but my heart kind of sunk when I saw that they're already releasing the new expansion because it's almost like I could, I could see Warcry slipping out of my reach. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's another game I can't keep up with. Well, this is this is the problem I had with Kill Team. Like, I I really liked Kill Team, got really invested in it, um, and then the expansions and the the sets started coming thick and fast. And there's an argument of, well, you don't need to get every set that comes out, you don't need to get every expansion that comes out, and you don't. Mm. You know, you can just play with the core game. But if you're excited about something, you want to you want to be involved in it, um, more or less as it comes out. Especially when a lot of these things go out of print quite quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So. When I saw that, I was a bit like, I don't want them to do the same thing they did with Kill Team because I really struggled to keep up with it, and there were things that I missed because of how quickly everything came out. You know, all the because I wanted to get all the terrain sets, but I just couldn't do it because you know you can't. I can't 
sort of justify dropping 150 quid a month mm. <laughs> to stay on top of uh, Games yeah. Workshop's release schedule. Um, it's the kind of thing that's fine. Like, see, when you're like a teenager or a student or whatever, and and they're releasing things at that rate, that's fine. But when you're a grown ass man mm. with like, you know, other things going on in your life, because um, I, I had this problem with the Arkham Horror Living Card game. I mean, a bit of it was me being distracted by other games for a bit, uh, and then a bit of it was just other things came up. I went back to check where the Arkham Horror game was at in terms of releases. And you, you, you look at this massive pile of stuff that's come out in the year, year and a half since you were at the game and you're just like, forget it, it's too much. <laughs> yeah, it's it can get away from you. Um, I remember when we were at UK Games Expo and we actually went to uh, to watch the Wii show where they, they revealed a couple of cards and I kind of looked at you about a mechanic and you were just like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, and it was big, and the, I think it, it was a matter of months since I'd last played it, and already I was like, uh, I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and th- this is, yeah, this is the problem I've had with Underworlds as well. Like, I, I will sort of asterisk what I'm saying here with the thing about Arkham Horror is that it is, it is cooperative, so you can approach it at your own pace. Mm-hmm. It is this sort of thing's more of a problem with the competitive games. Mm. Uh, for instance, like I'm, I'm about to mention, Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, the, there's just so much stuff for that now that it would take me so long and so much money to purchase everything and learn everything that's changed since I was last in the game that it's it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. I think it's, a, I mean, it's I, a risk that they need to sort of acknowledge and maybe address because I think potentially they are deterring people from it. You know, that yeah. you're, you're releasing stuff so fast that folk are going to go... I'm not going to invest in this at the first point because I'm just going to get driven out of it down the line. Yeah, and the the irony of it is it it it's it's our demographic that have got allegedly the the more disposable income. Mm. You know, it's the the gamers in their thirties and forties, but it seems as though the games industry hasn't quite settled on a release schedule or format that is fully compatible mm-hmm. with that. I think even just like I would just put a, an extra month in. I think that's where they're 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 just going a bit too quick because you want to release it soon enough that there's still buzz there and people are still excited about it and it's not kind of falling by the wayside. But you don't want to release it before people have even had a chance to get properly involved in it. Yeah, um, I think if it was like quarterly releases, is that what you're thinking? Something like that. Yeah, you know, give, give yeah. a bit of time, especially with expansions. You know, I think it's one thing if you're releasing things like you know terrain sets and teams and things like that, but then when you're releasing expansions that fundamentally change an aspect of the game or add to an aspect of the game, that needs to you need to give people a bit of time to adjust to what's what's currently there. Um, I think so. Because otherwise, it just sits on a shelf gathering dust if they even get it. I mean, I've got all the expansions for Kill Team. I've got Commanders, I've got Elites, you know, I've got Arena, and I've, I'm still playing the core game. I've got Commanders and Elites, and I intend to play them, but I'm still getting mm-hmm. to grips with the core game before I even want to bring them into play. But I wanted to get them when they came out because I didn't want to miss them if they went out of print. Yeah. Well, this is where I'm at with Warcry because, I mean, all, all our criticisms about the release schedule aside, from what I've read of the rules and what little I've played so far of the game it is really impressive mm-hmm. it, it's one of the most elegant systems I think Games Workshop have ever 
devised actually. But it, it's that thing of like, you know, in a few months' time, when I've managed to get like my second game in, like, <laughs> what's the overall landscape of the game going to be like? How many expansions are there going to be? How far am I going to be behind mm. all the other players? Uh, it's it's a tricky line, isn't it? And I don't I don't know if there is yeah. a right answer, but I'm not convinced that the the answer we've got at the moment is. Yeah. I su- I suppose the, the the thing about monsters and mercenaries, what strikes me about that is that it seems to be geared more towards like campaign gaming. Mm-hmm. I mean the fact that you don't just you know, off the back go, oh, I'll have one chimera please and add it to your warband. There's a process to it all. Mm-hmm. Um and, and there's there's a very firm emphasis on campaign play within Warcry, like even in the, the book they've got this this format whereby um, I, I, for talking's sake, could play 12 pickup games with 10 different opponents, but I can essentially play a campaign on my own mm. uh, and I just track all my personal progress, which is, is one of those things, it's so simple, why have they not done that before? Mm-hmm. I, I was telling Peter from the Drawn to the Flame podcast when I was talking to him about war cry it was one of those ideas where like, i wish i'd thought of that <laughs> that is brilliant do you know what i mean mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into it but i'm like you i'm a little bit scared about the, the the pattern that seems to be emerging with a lot of the games workshop stuff speaking of um monsters in in warhammer they've really they've uh, announced the release of a new gotrick gurnison model as well uh which i'm pretty that looks about. badass have you seen the figure? Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen the figure. I've seen the stats. I've read, you know, his battle reports that they put up on yeah. uh, the the Warhammer community. I mean, I'm. I think you're you're a fan of the Gotrix and Felix books as much as I am. Yeah. I think you actually got the the Brian Blessed audio CD. Did you not? I did. Well? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go I that did, far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't. I can't stomach the the audio CDs quite as well. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful model, um, and he looks like he's a bit of a beast in the game which is only right and proper yeah. i mean the the guy killed bellicor so well he's the avatar of a, a god in he as well so he is yeah. uh, he's stacked um yeah he's rocking 520 points on the battlefield on his own but he just doesn't die yeah i mean and can kill everything they've had matchups with him against great demons nagash thanqual archeon and he's won all of them as well um yeah which is which is cool. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not. Um, I'm kind of on the fence because I'm just a lot of my uh, Age of Sigma models or Warhammer Fantasy models are just gathering dust, and I'm just a bit scared he'd be another one that would do that. But at the same time, it is a it's a very pretty model. Oh yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's a model I would use very often yeah. because he's just so overpowered, even though he's expensive. Yeah. Like he, he's the kind of character that will just walk through armies. Yeah on his own um, but uh, our, our regular listeners will know I, I am something of a, an enthusiast when it comes to all things Warren <laughs> so it's it's pretty much inevitable that I'll be I'll be picking that miniature up that's why you should <laughs> yeah. and and you know even if you don't use them in uh, Age of Sigmar games Make a brilliant uh, model for like a dwarf barbarian, or if you use them as a like a slayer in like Warhammer Fantasy or something that like is that as well. A very valid point. I hadn't actually considered yeah. that, believe it or not. 
Um, yeah, there you go. Not a bad shout. I may consider it for that purpose. <laughs> not that I would do such a thing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think of all the stuff they've announced recently, weirdly, that's the thing I'm most excited about. I'm pretty much the same, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Like, they've there's, there's some cool stuff on the horizon, no doubt about it, but, yeah, he's he's very pretty. Um, and I'm hoping that we might see a new Gotrick book soon, because they seem to be giving him quite a bit of love at the moment, so... Yeah. I'd, I'd like for him to actually start appearing in the uh, like the main storyline in some capacity, even if it's just as a minor character. Mm. Um, that that would be really cool. Yeah, because I mean, even even back in the warmer fantasy days, when you know uh, he, he was at sort of his peak power wise in in that sort of world, he never really got mentioned in the main narrative, despite everything he did. You know, it was always sort of no. contained to his own books. You're like you've got this dwarf who's rocking around, who's sort of on par with some of the most powerful characters in each individual um, army book, and yet he barely gets a look in, uh, yeah. except for the, the occasional mention. One of the things that I heard, and I don't know if this is this is true or not, but um, Bill King was obviously the the original writer of the the Gotrek and Felix saga. Mm. Apparently, what he wanted to do was to have Gotrek meet his doom fighting Malekith. Okay. And what I'd heard was that was why uh, Bill King uh, stopped writing the fiction was because I think he was being he wasn't he wasn't he didn't have as much agency over the, the plot as he as he wanted. Right. I mean that that that's an example I think of. If that's true of Gotrek being sort of steered away from the main story a bit, which is which is somewhat disappointing because I think he's I dare say if you were to do a straw poll of the most popular Warhammer characters, he'd be up there. I I wonder if Games Workshop underestimated how popular he'd be. Um and you know it was originally just supposed to be sort of a trilogy or something like that. And it just sort of blasted into popularity and they never quite caught up with it. There is a new book coming out for him. Uh, cool, cool Slayer. He's back. He's got uh he's got like an elf sidekick now, which is quite weird. Okay. But I suppose he needs someone to be his verbal punching bag, doesn't he? To be honest, I'm I'm quite surprised they've not brought Felix back in some capacity, even if it was a sort of a stormcast or I think he will come back, but I think they're they're teasing it out a bit. Yeah, maybe. I guess we'll have to read the book to find out, won't we? Yeah, we will so we a wee plug for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there, there was one of I think it was the the Soul Wars novel. There is a Stormcast Eternal called Helios, who also writes his own poetry. Right. Okay. And I think because cause the pattern with the Stormcast is what happens is when they're reincarnated, they they keep their name, but they they basically give it a sort of Greco-Roman flavor. Right. And I think Helios is quite close to Felix. It's not that far off, is it? No. So I think that I think he might be kicking about the mortal realms already get get the band back together <laughs> get it sorted games workshop <laughs> get on that don't disrespect the fans <laughs> Dolly coming across as like a toxic fan base no good enough <laughs> that's it you've betrayed us with I'm voting with my wallet. This doesn't happen I'm out. My favourite saying is voting with your wallet. It's just 
Love it. <laughs> Yeah, we we should probably talk a little bit about Tabletop Scotland. We should, we should. We've, we've got that to yeah. discuss, um, which we were both at in different capacities. Yes, we were. Um, I I was subbed in at the last minute. It was I. Do you know? I think we I think we did really well, considering the hand we were dealt. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, we we had a couple of bumps in the road on the lead up to it. Yeah. Um, but we we weathered the storm. To mix metaphors. Yeah. The, the unfortunate thing was that uh, because of the the fact that we didn't have our, our full complement of frogs over the weekend, we, we weren't able to do uh, any uh, coverage of the, the show floor, really, which was a shame. But um, Ian McAllister and Jamie Adams of the Brainwaves podcast, uh, they, they were out and about on the, the Sunday and... I think, I think Ian's already got a write-up about the show up, hasn't he? Yeah, he's put up a couple of bits and pieces about it. Uh, yeah. It's really good of him. Um, yeah. I, I caught up with, with him a little bit. Um, and they seem to seem to have a good time on the floor. I managed to get down a couple of times just to basically sort of run around. Um, yeah. But it was it was fleeting. Uh, I was sort of... If I wasn't um, in the seminars, I was getting something to eat. <laughs> it's It's quite intense when you're when you've got a job to do those you know, convention like that, but it's it's good fun. It is quite rewarding. But uh, I like you managed to get out on the the show floor for a bit, but uh, was just completely upstaged by uh, baby Nathaniel <laughs> because uh, Charlotte brought him up for the day, and uh, yeah, as, as soon as you're seen with a baby, nobody wants to talk about games anymore. That's one of <laughs> Just want to f- fawn over the small god. Yeah, put the child down and talk to me about X game. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your product. Forget <laughs> the baby. It, it's nice though. It's moments like that you do really feel part of a community, you know, because there's been a lot of people sort of cheering us on from the the sidelines all throughout the pregnancy, so they were just delighted to to see him. See the end result. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all worth it. Woo. <laughs> I will say from from my point of view, the, the seminars were were all really really good. I don't mean my involvement in them. I I did a cracking job on these seminars. Well done, me. Like the people, <laughs> I bossed it. The people, <laughs> the people who, who did seminars that I sort of stayed around to to record or or listening on. Um, a lot of them, I was like, I'm not going to be interested in this. Uh, but then when it actually started, I was like, okay, I've 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 called this wrong. This is actually quite a, an intriguing. Uh, we presentation so pleasantly surprised on on that regard I, and there were some that I was really excited about um, and then a couple that just kind of caught me uh, out of left field yeah. and I think all the people who did presentations did a really good job there was no one that sort of I saw that I was like man this has been phoned in except maybe mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, we we were pretty much confined to the uh, the hay for the the live events for the the duration. That being the name because, of the room, not a yeah. big, uh, haystack that we were tumbling around. Yes, <laughs> yes, good, good to good to clarify. So, that, would you like to join us for our roll in the hay for the next <laughs> next seminar? That's the, well, a roll of the dice in the hay. That's the tagline <laughs> for next year. Join us for a roll in the hay. <laughs> <laughs> a roll in the hay with unlucky frog. <laughs> That's that is so what's happening. <laughs> Get on that. But no, I really. Yeah. I thought I thought as a as an event overall, and I mean the numbers speak for themselves on this. With how much bigger it was, um, 
but as an overall event it was it was really well done it was really it was really good to be part of and i'm actually gutted that i couldn't get to be in touch with more of it uh yeah in a way but at the same time i'm i'm also really proud of what we did so yeah it's weird because norm- normally the first thing i do whenever i've been to a convention is i'll do um we'll talk about it on the podcast but i'll do a, a write-up on it <laughs> and this is the first one that i've been to where i'm like I don't really feel qualified to to do a write up on it because my my field of view was so restricted. You can't do it justice, can you? Because you, you no. didn't see enough of it for for long enough. No. I will say I I really enjoyed uh, the pub quiz um, that we did at the end. the The turnout for that was awesome, uh, and it was a really yeah. good atmosphere. Um, it's always a bit nerve wracking when you're put in front of a lot of people and you're not really sure what to expect. Um, yeah. Because an audience can go any which way but when um but everyone was was really receptive was up for a bit of fun they didn't take the rules too seriously which i thought they would have done if i was on the other side of the table i'd be like this is this is bull that's not the way this works flipping tables yeah that'd be me chucking glasses (laughs) turn it into a riot (laughs) but uh everyone was was cracking and uh, i think a good time was had by all it it's Pretty much a, a tabletop Scotland institution now. That pub quiz, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, and and I think it's a good thing to have. It's a nice wind down at the end of the day. Um, I mean, it was it was unfortunately quite warm, uh, just weather wise, oh, yeah. which made the venue quite warm, um, which I think happened last year as well. I was told. Um, so that's it's nice to have nice weather, but at the same time, when you're inside, you kind of pray for it to be a bit cooler. Um, yeah. But. Other than that, I think it was uh, it was crack. I think my my favourite of the the events that I did see was the Hobbycraft seminar. That was the first one. That was the first one. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, it was Nick and Dave. Yep. That put that on. I, I just thought it was it was a really neat idea. Just get Dave, who's a very accomplished painter, painting a miniature in front of people, and uh, folk were just chiming in with questions. It was very, uh, very informal, and I think that actually worked really well for it. Yeah. Um, my two favourites were I really liked the um, artists seminar where you had people like Ralph Horsley and that, um, yeah, talking about you know their process for doing artwork. And I also I can't remember the name of the guy who did it, and I was actually the only one of our team in it, so no one else actually heard it. There's a guy who did a, a seminar about uh, choose your own adventure books. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really interesting um, seminar, and that's one that like I wasn't really too hyped about. Um, but the guy put on a really interesting seminar, and actually seeing a lot of the the sort of formula that goes behind that kind of stuff and and how you work mm-hmm. it, because I used to do a lot of choose your own adventure stuff when I was a kid, um, was was really really intriguing. Um, yeah. So kudos to to him and everyone else um, for putting on mm-hmm. a really good. Uh, performance and thanks to to ryan who helped me with the mine as well i kind of dragged him in at the 11th hour yeah a glamorous assistant yeah i mean he was he was great um really gave me someone to bounce off and, and added a lot to it himself so kudos to him yeah i think all, all in all as i said before i think under the circumstances we did really well uh special thanks to ian McAllister as well because he he subbed in for me at the last minute for the art of tabletop seminar that you mentioned earlier tom yes and and i'm assured did a, a very good job of moderating it did 
Do a sterling job. Yeah. Thanks also to Jamie Adams of the Brainwaves podcast, who was a turncoat for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, he got some amount of stick for it as well. Oh yeah, I know. Made him wear that t-shirt. <laughs> but no, he he was great. Uh, just just having an extra pair of hands uh, to to help with that stuff makes it a lot less stressful. Because when you're when you're turning around rooms for you know between events things like that, it can be quite you can get a bit hairy. It's some amount of lifting over the course of a, a weekend. You kind of take it for granted. Yeah. But I, when I got home, my entire body was just sort of like screaming internally. <laughs> I just uh, swanned up in the, the Friday with Jamie at about 8 o'clock, so I avoided <laughs> all the, the heavy lifting and then just floated back down to Glasgow on the on the Saturday evening. So I, avoid the, I avoided the bulk of the heavy lifting, but I can remember uh, last year, uh, Josh was a broken man after <laughs> after the weekend. So, you know, you said he was walking like John Wayne after it. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Man. <laughs> it's how we get these uh, these swole muscular bodies that we're renowned for, though. You know, it's this kind of uh, this kind of heavy lifting that we do on a regular basis, and definitely don't almost have asthma attacks. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> why that's why we're such Adonises, isn't it? <laughs> you can't see it because it's on a podcast, but you know. We are yeah. ridiculously hench. <laughs> and ridiculously handsome as well. <laughs> I think that about covers it off for this week. I'd say so. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks every thanks everyone for joining us. And we'll we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>